Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Amplify Your Business. Today, I'm sitting down with Hillary Sweet. She is the co-founder and CEO of a company called Kidney Check. Welcome to the show, Hillary. Yeah, thanks for having me. My pleasure. And so I like to ask everybody when they first sit down with me, what are three things that every entrepreneur needs to know? What would you say to that? Great starting point. There's definitely things that I've learned along the way that I wish I had have known at the beginning of this journey. Yeah. Um, one one thing that has been a, a big learning point for us because we have my co-founder and I both have technical backgrounds and both did PhDs in point of care diagnostics. We started out thinking if we can just invent this product and get the technology and sh- you know show the science behind how it works, then we're good. We we've got it. Um, And now that we're in this sales and marketing point, um, that's something that we didn't realize how difficult it was and didn't Mm -hmm. um, spend enough energy on the the sales and marketing side earlier on to make it easier for us now that we do have the product. So I would say like one one big point was, um, you know, it's not just about the technology. It's also about the customer discovery and how you're going to sell it and your messaging and, and all of that. Um, sales and marketing package there. Um, That's been a huge learning point for us. Um, The second thing I would say is, uh, which I knew, but I didn't realize the importance of it is kind of surrounding yourself with mentors and people and for startups, especially just like that sense of community has been so helpful. Um, Just getting together with people and hearing what's worked for them and what hasn't. I think um, for myself, like it's so encouraging and everyone's so motivating and um, it's great to hear other people's stories. So I think really having that network um, is big. And then the, the third piece I would say is just um, really, I mean, it's hard to narrow it down to just three because there's so many things that are coming to mind, but (laughs) um, if I had to pick one more, I would say, just kind of going back to like the the customer discovery and the validation early on. Mm. Um, that's something that we we did spend a fair bit of time on, but hindsight, I think we could have spent a little bit more on that. And I think it's so important to really understand what the customer wants and who your customer is. Um, because I know for us, we you kind of get in the in the trees and you don't always take the time to pull yourself back and look at the bigger picture. And mm. think about what the, you know, am I doing this for a purpose? If I only had one month left of money or funding, like what would I be spending? What's the critical tasks that my customer wants or that I need to be like propelling the company forward? Um, so I guess not only the customer discovery and the importance of that, but really just like time is so important and really focusing in on what's going to progress your business in the next month or week and doing those things is is really important. Great advice. And speaking of your business then, what is it that Kidney Check does or what problem is it that you're trying to solve? The problem that, that we're trying to solve is pets are very good at hiding signs of illness. And so oftentimes pet owners think their animal's healthy. And you know, even if you are going into the vet for your annual wellness exam, when they... when your pet gets to be seven years or older, they'll start offering you things like blood work and, you know, kind of like preventative or health checks. And oftentimes people will either say no to that or can't afford it because it's, you know, can be up to three, $400. Mm -hmm. 
And so one of the, the big illnesses, especially for cats, is kidney disease that goes undiagnosed. Hmm. So one in three cats will get kidney disease in their lifetime and one in 10 dogs. And yeah. so we learned about this problem and, and how it was going undetected. And then um, what we decided to to work on was a, a solution for that. And so we've come up with a, a quick and affordable screening tool that pet owners can use at home. Really interesting. And so is there a reason why you decided to focus on um, the, the pet side of it versus the human side of diagnostics? I mean, it's kind of been this, this winding journey, but my, my co-founder and I were focused on point of care detection platforms for clinical space. So for humans, and then when we ambitiously decided to, to start a company and we went out looking for problems, we very quickly learned about the regulatory hurdles that would come along with mm. diagnostics for humans. And so that was one of the big factors that kind of deterred us. And, and then the more we started talking to people in the pet industry, um, we learned about the need for innovation in that space. And so it was kind of a, a few things that led us there, but the regulatory barrier was a big one. Um, and just not having, like we didn't have the experience with starting a company and then on top of that, the regulatory. So naturally we just kind of started looking for problems in the in the pet industry that were a little bit uh, maybe, I don't know if less ambitious is the right word, but were seemed to be more attainable. Than in human uh, trials and stuff, yeah. So when it comes to the the problem, looking for that problem, is that the way that you uh, had approached things where you knew that you wanted to, um, you know, be an entrepreneur, you wanted to have a business, you wanted to solve some sort of problem, and so you were hunting for a problem? Or is this a problem that you discovered first and you decided that there was a business opportunity within this? We set out looking for problems. Um, we had... Um, both myself and, and Matt had worked for a company previously for a short period of time where they were doing the opposite. And we were trying to take this product that we had and find problems we could solve with it. And we found that very frustrating. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we had intentionally decided to start the company and go out looking for problems and kind of follow that. Um, I think it's Steve's, Steve Blank that kind of talks through that problem first and then come up with the solution. So we did a lot of business model canvases for different problems and tried to kind of look at what was feasible and what we thought we could actually realistically invent. And that's how we, how we started. So what made you decide that you wanted to be an entrepreneur, that you wanted to solve problems out there, find business opportunities, uh, from those those problems is that something that has always been you know uh, a passion or desire of yours or is this something that you've kind of stumbled into entrepreneurship as well along the way we both kind of uh, matt and i both kind of stumbled into it our our supervisor during our graduate degrees um, was a previous inventor and had wasn't your traditional academic he had spent a lot of time in industry um, was the inventor of a a nano crystalline silver wound bandage that's now sold by Smith and Nephew worldwide. And so from, from the beginning of our graduate program all the way through, he was always, you know, asking us questions and challenging us to think a little bit more about how it could be more than just research in the lab that we were doing. And so that kind of, I think, got both of us 
um, subconsciously thinking about and, and enjoying that because it was so fun working with him and um, it was Dr. Rob Burrell, but he, uh, I think he kind of got that, that desire started. And so when we set out looking for, for job opportunities and, and kind of looked at what we could do, um, it just seemed like a, a fun challenge and a way to really learn so many different skills as opposed to, uh, for myself, I never had the desire to stay in a traditional academic setting. Um, and so it just, it sounded like a lot of, a lot of work, but a lot of fun too. We, we both, um, love learning. So. Yeah. Well, obviously you have a lot of learning there, your PhD, right? So that's a commitment on the academics for sure. And so there's a lot of people that, um, are approaching that wanting to go into or stay within academia. So you never had that intention to begin with then. No, I graduated from my undergrad. Um, and all of the jobs that I was really interested in were kind of um, medical devices or, you know, things related to like biomedical engineering. My, my undergrad was mechanical engineering um, with a specialization in biomechanical. And so I realized my options were to, you know, take a job that I didn't really love or go get a master's degree um, in biomedical engineering in order to qualify for these roles that I thought sounded really cool at the time. Um, but during my undergrad, I never saw myself, like I never thought, oh, I'm going to go do a, a PhD after this. It just kind of um, was the way that everything unfolded and and my supervisor was really great. So I decided to transfer from a master's right into a PhD, but uh, yeah, was not, would not have um, expected that to be my, my path. So I, you shared before we hit the record button that you've been at this business for a little over, well, three and a half years, I think you said, so um, closing in on the four-year mark. What has been some of the biggest challenges that you have had to overcome as you transition from academia and research and inventing into actually starting and running and growing a business? There's so many things that come up that like my people Matt and I will look at each other and be like why is there no course on this like why is this just not a you know a course that everyone has to take whether it's in high school or your undergrad um because everything from like psychology like there's there's so many things that would be helpful to understand the decisions that people make and just how how we live um, that tie into a business and that you kind of need to be aware of. Um, we recently, I mean, there was there was obviously challenges in developing the technology, but those challenges, um, we felt like we had the background to kind of work through and iterate on in the lab. Um, the other the other challenges have been more on like understanding, you know, do's and don'ts of product packaging and what you need mm -hmm. to have on. Um, and how your consumer interacts with your your product or your you know how do you get them to engage and make them more aware so that's not like a single a single challenge but there is just so many um to like a roundabout way to answer your question there is just so many things that um you know would have been helpful to have as a even just a, a little 
a little course, like a tidbit of, of that information going into this. Yeah. Well, tell me a little bit about the last three and a half years. And so you identified a problem, you solved it in the lab, and then you decided then to commercialize that. And so now you're at a point where I think I saw an announcement recently where you're in store now. You, there's a few stores around the Edmonton area, but I think right across Canada, right? That uh, that you are now selling your tests within. So we launched as of November 1st into um, 10 different stores across, actually nine, sorry. No, we're in 10 now. Um, 10 stores across Canada. And we've chosen kind of Edmonton and Ontario as the two locations that we're doing some trials in. Mm-hmm. And so the the goal of that is to really kind of one was to make sure that our, our pricing was in the right ballpark and just get feedback from not only the staff and the owners of the, these stores, but also the customers that they're talking to on a daily basis who are coming in and maybe, um, maybe they're seeing, you know, things like frequent urination or increased drinking in their pet, but maybe it's just their pet is seven or older and becoming a high, is at a higher risk of, of getting kidney disease. So just getting some, early feedback there was the the hope of that product launch, um, which has been really great so far. And then the goal is to have some distributors start to um, take our product to all the stores kind of across Canada, just so that we, um, as a, as a small team, we don't have the ability to, you know, span, span Canada and do all of that ourselves. So we would have some reps and, and things like that. Um, staff at these stores helping us out but that's really just been the last kind of few months we've really gotten to that point Mm -hmm. there was probably about a year um, eight months to a year of customer discovery and going out and just talking to people to come up with you know what problems are out there what could we try and solve and then it was probably around like the eight months to a year mark that we got in the lab and started um, we built up a lab in um, a garage, Matt's father's garage. He was generous enough to let us have some lab benches and and set up our equipment in there. And then we just started iterating and and doing lab testing to see if it was, you know, what solution we could come up with and invent. And then, kind of the next few years was everything from developing IP and branding and shelf life testing of your product you need to know how long it's going to be good on the shelves um lots of different pieces and then the last in in january we did launch to some vet clinics as well and so the last kind of 2022 has been really trying to raise awareness and get sales and try different things so yeah one thing that you did touch on there that where I'd like to dig a little bit deeper is you were talking about just uh, trying to determine you know if you have it priced properly essentially so uh can you walk us through you know your I think a new category of product even is there any competitors in the marketplace for for what you you guys are offering right now There is no saliva yeah. test that looks for the marker that we have there are some urine strips um, that would be the closest comparison, I yeah. would say. Okay. And so so there are alternatives in the marketplace, but nothing that you're, uh, I guess, directly uh, going to head, head against um, in your particular category. And so uh, how do you 
address that pricing equation? Uh, what uh, methodology were you using? Uh, how did you inform yourself on that? that we, that's a conversation that we have had with lots of people is just trying to pick, pick people's brains on what they've done to get to their pricing model. Um, and I mean, at times it seems very arbitrary, but what we did to try and get some validation to ourselves that we're in the right ballpark was um, a survey. So we had um, sent out to a number of people, a different, like a survey that allowed them to share some information about how much they spend on their pet, what they're open to spending for a test that's going to, like a screening test that's not replacing blood work. Um, and then we we looked at, this was like a fairly small sample size, but we looked at how many people would pay at different price points and then looked at, um, you know, what captured the majority of people but wasn't underpricing the product. Um, mm -hmm. That was one thing that we did earlier on to get kind of a, a ballpark. And then we also, um, the closest comparison is kind of looking at those those urine test strips as well as blood testing. So if you go to the vet um, and I want to get just that like basic panel, um, it's like 80 bucks and that's not including your $60 vet appointment and your collection fee. So we kind of uh, looked at the high end and then looked at what other indirect competitors were pricing their products at and then tried to pick something that was, you know, in that in that middle range, but also making sure that it was giving us a sustainable business model as well. So I don't think we, you know, have nailed that down by any means, but a, a few other kind of key things that we've learned through having pricing discussions with people is just, I think going into it, we felt like it had to be this, if we don't get this perfect off the start, it's gonna, everything's gonna collapse. And that's not the case at all. Like we, We've done a few changes to our pricing model um, and it's it's flexible. And I think that's something that, you know, if you talk to someone about getting a pricing study done, it's like $10,000 when you can just trial it on your e-commerce store, change the pricing, see how you're, you know, how many more conversions do you get or how many, how does it affect your conversion rate? And so it's definitely been a um, some an area that we've been trying to kind of have learn ourselves, but I think that it's just something that we maybe stressed ourselves out a little bit too much in the beginning. Like, just get your product out there. If no one's buying it, maybe it's the pricing, and you can always drop it. Um, it's not like a rigid um, thing. Yeah, and you mentioned um, your e-commerce store, and so you're selling online as well as through a distribution network as well or or to retailers, right? And so is that going to be the long-term plan where you're doing both and or is it going to be something where you're going to really skew most of your attention towards the retail distribution? Where do you see the, the opportunity in the future from a, uh, a selling standpoint? Yeah, I mean, initially we started with with selling to vet clinics because that seemed like a, a natural fit. Um, would be to have vets offer this to pet owners who either can't bring their animal in. There's lots of cats who just get too stressed. Um, mm -hmm. Or if they can't financially afford it, um, they could send kidney check home with them. And that's still something that we we see being a valuable tool. It does seem like it's a slower adoption to get into vet clinics. And they're just extremely understaffed right now. So I think that's something that we are 
kind of thinking about is like, how do we incorporate and what is our main channels? The launch of our e-commerce platform was very helpful um, from a standpoint of getting the product into the hands of users and demonstrating some value um, and offering just offering people a way to get their hands on the product. Yeah. Um, but we're learning that, you know, it's very hard to, you're, you're spending so much money to try and reach, you know, across Canada, let alone globally with a direct to consumer platform. So we are trying to establish some different partnerships through um, other companies, but then also through retail and vet channels to just help us get the product into the hands of, of pet owners to, to screen for kidney illness. Yeah. One of the things that I really like uh, to see a lot of our customers who are doing something that could be direct to consumer or done through distribution is when you're starting to try to figure out that pricing equation and the, really establishing what that value proposition is, the online store gives you a lot of opportunity to do that experimenting and to really determine, okay, well, what kind of messaging is actually resonating with the consumer um, and which you know pricing models um, are going to work the best. And in terms of like split testing that, uh, it's just really easy to do the research um, through those online means sometimes, um, which allows you to then, you know, extrapolate that and build out then a better um, system of pricing and, and, and messaging and packaging and everything else uh, for the distribution network so that uh, you can support, you know, the, the bigger push through there. So I really like that approach that you guys took in terms of using both avenues as part of your, your customer validation process and pricing validation processes. Yeah, yeah no, that's a great point too, about you get feedback so quickly on, you know, something like an e-commerce store or even like using yeah. an Amazon platform and you can, you can iterate so much more quickly and get a larger sample size. So yeah. it's definitely been helpful for us as well. Now, one of the things that you mentioned at the very beginning when I was asking you those, uh, you know, three things that you think every entrepreneur needs to know, you were talking about the customer validation. Uh, you wish that you would have done maybe a little bit of that, uh, more work on that earlier on. Um, was that beyond the pricing? Was that in the messaging? What Can you expand upon that a little bit just so that we better understand what you meant there? I think that for us, it was more on talking to vets specifically because we had four clinics we were working with. We did our pilot study to you know, make sure that the test was working and reading what we wanted it to and providing value in terms of kidney function. And everyone is so, it wants to be so nice. And mm. we asked a lot of discovery questions of like, would you sell this? How much would you see it selling for? We're like, okay, yes, this, this is, a, we can have a sustainable business here these clinics are willing to offer it. But one thing that we didn't do um, or that we didn't get to is that some of those clinics actually don't want to offer it. And so had we dug a little bit deeper and maybe said, okay, could you give us a deposit? Or, yeah. you know, like there, there was some things that we missed in our customer discovery, whether it was the customers were trying to be too nice and we're Canadian and we don't want to say <laughs> that yeah. sucks and I don't want it we kind of, we missed that a little bit. So when we got our product, we were like, great, we just need to show these clinics. Um, and some of them just weren't ultimately interested at that time. Again, COVID was a factor as well and understaffing yeah. and all these things. But 
we were kind of kicking ourselves because we then spent three months going out to, you know, 80, 90 vet clinics and the uptake was not what we had expected. So, um, you know, yeah. I've since heard a few other companies who have done things like asking for an upfront, you know, purchase order or other commit other forms of commitment yeah. that are a little bit more than just someone saying, yeah, I like that because that's not enough. It's not, you can't keep your business going off of, um, you know, yeah, empty promises. Yeah. 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 And, and I think this is really the, uh, one of the challenges that a lot of businesses get into. So, you know, uh, 20 years ago, 15 years ago, there was a reliance or a need to do, you know, focus groups to really get that market research figured out, right? In terms of, okay, assessing whether or not there was a market fit. And and that's essentially what you were doing there is you were talking to a group of, of people and uh, vet clinics, it sounds like, and, and asking them, and they're all positive about it. And they might even say, yeah, yeah, no, I'd be really interested in buying it. But until you actually get them to purchase, <laughs> that their words are meaningless. And that's one of the things that with focus groups, uh, it can really lead you astray. Mm -hmm. um, and so that's what I love about, again, a, a, another little tip for those who are listening, if you're doing some product research and trying to figure out if there's an actual market for it, um, before you even develop the product, a person can run some tests from a marketing standpoint to see if there is actually a fit for the for the product and at what price point before you even venture into development. And so um, the way that you short circuit that uh, as a tip is you basically set up a you know a landing page that is pitching whatever it is, the product is that you're trying to pitch to it and just run a campaign on, on Facebook even um, for, you know, put a $500 down uh, in ad spend and see whether or not people are actually clicking through and coming over to the website. So that's a pretty indica good indicator of interest so that there might be a good product problem fit, right? That there is actually a market for it. And then you actually have your site set up so that you can transact a sale. So you sell it before it's even made. And then when somebody, you know, does actually purchase it, you give them a refund and, and you, uh, you say, Oh, sorry, we're, we're sold out right now, or we've run into a production issue or whatever the, the excuse is going to be and, and refund uh, to them. But the idea is, is that sure, you can get people to click through to that site, but until they actually purchase, that's just an indicator of interest, but not an indicator that the, you actually have the right price or that they'll actually put money down for it. And so you can want to get to that place where you're actually selling it. Um, and so, like you said, in this situation, because it's more of a wholesale situation, uh, getting that PO and a commitment, a deposit, uh, that's a really good test for it, for sure. And that's where like the Kickstarters, I, I mean, that's why they're so brilliant for entrepreneurs, all those different Kickstarter platforms out there, uh, because you, before you actually go through the expense of producing something, researching and developing it, you can actually test to see, is there a market there that's willing to pay for it? And they're putting money up, up front, right? So it's really, sure. uh, uh, and that's novel, novel in the last, you know, 15, 20 years. Uh, where pre-digital means of marketing and crowdfunding and everything else, before that, there wasn't an ability to really test that. And so, yeah, it, it's really democratized the ability for, um, you know, companies with less 
uh, research and development funding to be able to to get their foot in the marketplace essentially and really make some good decisions right off the start. So uh, so yeah, that's a really great learning. So thanks for sharing that. I'm I'm really curious. Um, what's easier now for your business at this stage in your in your business journey? So what's easier now than what it was before? I mean, one thing that comes to mind is just like basic QuickBooks or, you know, financial bookkeeping, like um, budgeting and all of that, like getting all of that set up for a business and learning how to track expenses and what you have to track and how to track it and all of that um, now seems very like, oh, that, that's easy. Like we have just done yeah. this. Things that we've done, you know, over and over and are kind of a monthly thing have now become like half takes half the time of, of what it, you know, first took um, me to, to do. So there's a lot of things that go along with having a business that um, you just kind of learn to do um, and they get easier with time, which is then becomes a really nice reassuring, like, oh, I'm just doing this for an hour today. Like I can, this is easy. Yeah. I can just coast through this. Um, things like, you know, grant writing has definitely gotten easier for us. We've been really fortunate to have a number of, of grants that have helped us, you know, get to where we are with non-dilutive funding. So things like that, you kind of struggle through them at the beginning and then they just become like a an, an easy task that isn't daunting anymore. And there's new things like sales and marketing that is um, that is more daunting. So yeah. Yeah. And so I guess on the, the flip side of that, just continue on from there. What do you perceive to be your biggest hurdles or challenges that you're going to have to overcome to get your business to that next level that you want to achieve? I mean, there's definitely like some, we're at a, a pretty fun point, but also I think a critical point because we have this first product and we're getting it out there. Um, and now it's just, a, you know, deciding how to move forward with that is it coming up with next products and moving um, like what does what does the future of our company look like and where do we want to take it there's so many different avenues that we could ultimately go down and so it's that's kind of the biggest um, right now challenge is like what team would we need to do this way and what team would we need to do that way uh, or to go that that path and so it's more of just the like I would say the bigger picture um, because we are so we've been trying to really focus on kidney check and getting it out there. Um, and now that we, you know, are, are fairly close, I would say to having it um, with some distribution um, agencies, it's kind of like looking past that to what is the the plan for longer term. The, the next product and the next product. So you're not planning on being a single product skew, right? Uh, company, you're, you're planning on having a, a variety of products that you can offer the market. That was always the, I mean, we've, we've gone a, back and forth. I mean, initially we thought we would start with this product and then our next product was going to be a cattle pregnancy test, um, which we, mm. you know, had some, some other technology that we were developing for that. And then our thought was, oh, after that, we'll just have this platform for human diagnostics. And so that was, I think, a little bit naive of us because we didn't realize how hard it is to get into each market segment um, when we were starting out. And so now that we're very much in the pet industry, um, I, I think there it makes more sense to um, 
you know, build out some of the other markers that people would like to use that are could be done with simple and affordable diagnostics, as opposed to jumping into a completely different, you know, large animal industry or or hum for humans even. Um, so definitely, definitely something that in conversations with with vets, they'll say, oh, I really would like this cardiac marker, or I would really like this marker. So we kind of just have been been writing those those ideas down and. Um, but yeah, definitely, definitely see the value in having additional products, whether it's for kidney function or, um, you know, other, other markers entirely. Final question for you. If you were to write a letter to your younger self, so the Hillary of three and a half years ago, when you were just starting the business, what would you include in that letter to yourself? There would be lots of things. <laughs> I think I think one of the main things would just be um, kind of like I mentioned earlier about having that focus. Um, I think I think we've gotten a lot better at really focusing in on what is critical. But I think it's taken kind of the three three years. Like it hasn't been until the last six months or so that we've really nailed down our process for you know setting outcomes and what we're what's critical and what we're having to do each week. I think early on, there was a lot of things that we let sidetrack us, um, whether it was, you know, saying yes to meetings, or like, there's just so many things that eat up your time. And I think in a startup, it's really critical to move fast, um, even if that's failing fast. And so not necessarily thinking about like extending your, your business just for the sake of it but like let's figure out if this is vi viable let's figure out if we can have a sustainable business model off this and you know do the things each week that are like very critical um because time is time is so in, time and money you know that's like I, I think there's things that we could have moved a little bit faster on figuring out yeah yeah so keep the focus and then move faster is is really what I'm hearing from you yeah. 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 I think that's really good advice that we can all <laughs> send back to our younger selves because uh, distraction is such a curse when it comes to uh, entrepreneurs, I think, because oftentimes we're, you know, like we're, we're idea people, we are seeing opportunities um, all over the place. And sometimes it's really difficult to apply that focus. And, uh, and then because there's so you have to you know, kind of do it all oftentimes, uh, even when you are in a partnership like you and your co-founder, uh, there's still, you're involved in so many different things. You're wearing so many different hats that it can be really challenging to know where you need to apply your focus and when, right? Um, is now the the time where I need to be focusing on those, you know, longer term goal planning and setting and and really figuring out those um, objectives that you're going to try to achieve, or is now the time that I'm in the lab trying to figure out the next solution or the next product, right? The next uh, uh, thing that you're trying to move to the marketplace potentially. So it's got to be difficult, especially when you're in the in a product uh, in a new category where there is so much of that time that's spent on R and D as well at the same time. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. I really appreciate you coming on the show today, Hillary, and sharing a little bit more about your story. Um, it's just really fascinating to see some of the different types of businesses that are uh, launching here in the Edmonton region that have some sort of technology or 
or, or science-based to them. And, and uh, you guys obviously have a huge market. There's so many people out there with pets who definitely do care very much about them and want to be uh, treating them as best that they can. And so uh, this is a product that I think from a timing standpoint just really seems to be uh, a great, um, yeah, a great well-timed product for the market right now. Yeah, I, I like to think so too. So thanks for having me. It was lots of fun to talk about and, and reflect back on some of the, the challenges that we've overcome and, and some of the learning. So yeah, so if somebody wanted to reach out to you for a follow-up or wanted to learn more about your product or even, even purchase it, what's the best way for them to connect with you or to find your, your product? Yeah, so there's lots of information on our website. Um, I can share that with you, but it's kidneycheck.com. Uh, check is spelled C-H-E-K. Um, lots of information on there. And I'm happy to, to connect with people either through LinkedIn or through email. Um, and I can share those with you as well. Sure. Yeah, sounds really good. Well, awesome. I really appreciate it again. And for those of you who are listening today, if you enjoyed this episode and want to check out some of our past episodes as well as our future ones, just head over to amplifyyourbusiness.ca and that's where you're going to find our full archive. And if you're watching us right now and prefer to listen to it on the go, you can find us by searching Amplify Your Business on your favorite podcasting platform. Until next time, everybody have a prosperous day. 